of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Eastern Time. We are live, of course, here in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air, live in the Gorilla Camp, located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. I, of course, am the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia. That is all of you out there who are in here resistance that is listening to this podcast and uh, many of you out there all 15,207 of you who are subscribed to this podcast on the Podbean podcasting or podcast hosting platform rather making it one of the top ranked podcasts in news commentary it's really, really good to be with you here on this live show this evening. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about China's growing gray zone war with the United States. This is, a, uh, of course, a live episode that we're doing. Um, you know, I've been covering this for years now as I'm waiting for my fellow uh, patriots, my my fellow uh, <laughs> uh, thought criminals, to make their way in here. Uh, but this is this is an episode that really needs to get a lot of attention, and I think that uh, we're going to be covering some deep things tonight, um, putting some stuff in perspective. Of course, if you've been a long time listener, you know that none of this is is new. None of this is going to be earth shattering. Um, this is all things that, uh, I've covered in the past and have done predictive analysis on and how we are, um, you know, it's, we're, we are on a, a very, uh, consistent path to war with China and China with us. And this is, you know, Russia is playing a very big role in this. Um, Africa is, is unfolding as the next chapter in this. We're going to be breaking all of this down tonight. Uh, earlier this week, yesterday, uh, I cut an episode, got that one kicked out there tomorrow. Uh, God willing, I'm going to have one with, uh, uh, Colonel Mike Bennett. And we're going to be talking about his new book, uh, Moths to the Flame which I'm really excited for. I'm really, really excited for. This is, this is going to be a kick-ass book. The origin story of the warlock. Um, you know, it, 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 
this if if you're into espionage thrillers, if you're into um, uh, just really really cool Jason Bourne style, uh, Robert Ludlum style books and that style of writing, you're going to really enjoy this. Colonel Mike Bennett, by the way, uh, in case you didn't know and you haven't heard the other podcasts I've done with him, Third Special Forces Group, retired Bird Colonel, spent most of his career in SF. Um, you know, he, he is an absolute legend in that community. You know, I, I, you're getting firsthand experience, firsthand knowledge that he puts into those books. And I'll never forget the first podcast that I did with him where I said, Colonel Bennett, what would you do? Uh, how would you get foreign policy in America back on the right track? And, uh, he said he started to dive into it and he stopped himself and he said, you just need to read the books. Uh, so this is this is very much uh, how the mind of a, a uh, absolutely devious career special forces officer, how he would go about setting things right and setting America back on uh, the right path in the world. So definitely uh, encourage you to get out there and get those books. I'm really excited about this podcast tomorrow because we've got a ton of things, uh, current events stuff that we're going to be talking about. And I have a ton of things that, that are on the docket tonight. A lot of breaking news things uh, that, that have been coming down the pipe that I think are, are of very important interest and have been swept under the rug. Of course, you know, we're, we're uh, busy, focused on all the wrong things. Uh, somebody in the comments section over on AmericanPartisan.org made mention of that earlier today. Um, basically saying, you know, shut off all of the media, you know, alternative media included. Shut it all off. Go outside, do something productive and come back to it a week later. And you'll see it. You, you'll see exactly what I've been talking about. And, and I'm included in that, too, by the way. I mean, I, I am alternative media. I'm certainly not mainstream media. Um, I'm alternative media. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been shunned by several voices in the alternative media as well. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It, it, it is what it is. Cream rises to the top. This is the audience that we have. And, and, you know, you guys really, really enjoy the content that's here. You value it the most. And if it's really good, it, it is going to be found. Uh, so when certain voices out there who have been selling QAnon narratives and bullshit peddling and, you know, trying to sell you uh, sawdust capsules as uh, health supplements and, and what have you, um, you know, it, well, that's, it is what it is, right? I, I'm not going to get the invite. I used to get invites onto those programs. I don't get those anymore. You know, after the 6th of January, when, when I said, don't go there, don't go to the Capitol. All right. But everybody wanted, everybody wanted to be afraid and, and fear sold, right? I don't get invited on those programs anymore. They don't want to talk to me anymore. Um, you know, and Hey, that's fine. That's fun, um, you know, because you have to make your own way. Who made those people? That's that's an important question. Who made those people? Their audience. But how how did they cut their teeth? Was it organic or wasn't it? 
I can say with a absolute fact that this audience is organic. This whole thing is organic. I don't get any advertising money. I've applied to be adver- for advertising through Podbean, through other podcast hosts, um, uh, uh, hosting services rather. They nope, won't get anything, right? They won't give us any airtime, right? So it's you. Okay, it is this audience. It is what we have been able to do. Brushbeater.store, all the sales over there that's absolutely off the chain. And it is this audience that has created that, right? It's that that bond that we have. And so that's very, very important to me um, that, that we have that, right? And so I can say without a doubt that this podcast, the audience that we have for this podcast and everything that we're able to do, why I can get 35 people into a class for a week in the middle of the summer, why I can sell out every class that I put on the calendar. Why? It's because of work ethic, my work ethic, this community's work ethic together. We're doing this together. This this is an absolute movement that we from the I don't do training anymore. Right? From from the ground up. Right? So anyhow, you heard a little bit of Johnny Paratrooper's audio coming here. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> but where I'm going with this is, is that they, there's some very serious things that we cover on this podcast that you're not going to hear anywhere else. You're not going to hear the takes that you get here on any other outlet. Right. We're we're so busy focused on and, and, you know, I love Tucker Carlson. Absolutely love him. Um, you know, it at it, it first was was kind of leery uh, when he was on Fox, everything that he's done since then. You know, he, he is uh, I, he, he's proven himself to me, not that he had to uh, not that he had to. But in this man's eyes. Uh, he has certainly proved himself and, and proved himself correct. Um, but I think that we need to move past as a movement. We need to move past Biden. We need to move past uh, the internecine fighting between uh, Trump supporters, Ron DeSantis supporters, so on and so We need to move past that. This is something that we have to, this is a sideshow, okay? We need to get past this. Let's let's throw a dose of cold water on some things. Biden is deeply corrupted by the communist Chinese, okay? Everything that the the 51 intelligence professionals, uh, quote unquote, the SES ring, essentially, the senior executive service ring, let's see who this was. Uh, that whole community, what they accused Donald Trump of doing early on, the uh, being compromised by the Russians, Biden himself is, is the one who is compromised in all of those ways and probably a lot more, uh, probably a lot more by the communist Chinese, likely the Russians also likely the Russians also, but definitely by the Chinese. There is no question, right? There is no question. There's also no question, and this is actually more important. There's also no question that nothing will be done. It's time to admit that. It's time to move past that. 
Now, some of you out there are going to hear those words and you're going to throw your hands up. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? Does that mean we don't do anything? No, that is not what it means at all. In fact, it means the opposite. I'm telling you to stop wasting your time jousting at windmills, wasting your emotional energy on that which you cannot control. The mainstream media, and to a large extent, the alternative media, because it feeds on a problem-reaction-solution model as well, feeds off of this. They create those narratives for themselves, and they feed off of a reactionary model to keep you angry, to keep you disillusioned, and to keep you in disarray. That is what they want. There is no organization that is going to occur so long as you are listening to these voices. Now, does that mean that they're necessarily bad? No, it does not. Uh, there, there are some in the alternative media that I admire greatly. Um, some names that might even surprise you, and, and I admire them greatly. But what I'm telling you is, is that there's only so much energy you can put into that stuff, and they're not focusing on the right things. The big picture is what I have been looking at and analyzing for years now. I've been warning everyone, and you can see this. So to give you a little backstory, AmericanPartisan.org went live in 2018. And the original articles that I did for American Partisan, things that weren't previously written, right? It wasn't, you know, things that I had written on Brush Beater and then ended up putting up there so that we would have a depth of con of uh, content on the site. No, that, that wasn't it. Some of the original things that I did, one of the original things that I wrote about was the reopening of the Lord A signals intelligence station did overlays for it, did uh, a analysis of it, its purpose um, you know, what I felt its purpose was, and you can find all of that on there had a lot of supporting, out, um, uh, articles, a lot of supporting evidence for this, uh, long-term plans that, that I saw unfolding for this. And it went largely unnoticed because, especially in the alternative media, because that's not fear porn. That's not selling you something that, that can get you scared. All right. That's telling you something that is real, that is tangible. When I talked about the Chinese buying Phoenix TV, which is the most powerful transmitter in the Northern Hemisphere, Spanish language transmitter, just on the other side of the border from California. Why'd they buy that? Why did they buy that? Why did they buy Phoenix TV? What did the Chinese do that? Why did the Chinese build not one, but two heavy lift runways outside of Del Rio, Texas? What about the Kinder Morgan incident, which uh, Tyler Rogerway and The Drive was talking about just this morning with not one, not two, but many more drones that are now popping up in that same airspace of southern Arizona that's interfering in Air Force practice maneuvers. I was talking about that in 2018, 2019, 2020, right? Here we are, 2023. Five years ago, I was talking about that, and it got no attention. It got almost no traction, and yet I'm still here. I'm still telling you what is happening, right? I'm not here to toot my own horn. 
What I'm telling you is, is that the depth of knowledge and the depth of expertise is now coming to a head. I've been proven right over and over and over again over the years. And that's fine. I don't do this to look for recognition. I don't do this to pat myself on the back. I wish I was wrong about it all. I wish that it was unfounded fear and paranoia. What I'm telling you is this, is that the Chinese and the Russians have been setting the table south of the border to get rid of United States influence and then to get rid of the United States. They're doing it methodically. Meanwhile, we've been jousting at windmills in Ukraine, a war that we started, that we are losing, that we cannot win. And here we are at home. We took all of our munitions at the small unit level even. The Dragons, the Carl Gustavs, Mars. Bradleys, vehicles and armaments that we cannot replenish in a quick amount of time. We cannot be done. It cannot be done. And we sent it forward to Ukraine. It's been expended. It's been shot off like Roman candles. And the Russians are still winning. And they're better off for it. And what do we have here at home? What do we have here at home to defend ourselves, to defend our border? Nothing. We have Democrats who can't even admit that there's a problem. They can't even admit that the last election was fraudulent, and we all know it. The international community knows it too, and they're taking advantage of it. Africa, there's a war about to kick off there. We're in a lot of trouble. AFRICOM is moving out of Africa, by the way, in case you didn't know. The command headquarters is moving out of Africa. They're having to de- because they know what's coming. They know what's coming. They've got another Benghazi situation, except a lot worse, that's going to be unfolding. Remember the SF team that got ambushed in Mali? Remember that? You're about to see that again on a much larger scale. We're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. And let me tell you where it all started. Let me tell you where where all of this started. The hubris of the senior executive service, the administrative state that has installed its own dictator over and over again, shielded them, gave them a blank check to do whatever they wanted to do to embarrass the country in as many ways as possible. It didn't matter as long as you rubber stamp everything that we want to do. Bill Clinton, George Bush, Barack Obama, Now you got Joe Biden. Political party is irrelevant. They got rid of Trump. They had to get rid of him. Now, this isn't to say that I'm a Trump fan, okay? I neither like nor dislike him. He just is what he is. I think that he proved himself incapable of understanding the depth of of the problems that we have, right? And he proved himself incapable of fixing it, too. But he's still the best shot that we have. Why? Not because of him. It has absolutely nothing to do with him. It has to do with me and you. Me and you. At the grassroots level. We have a political rallying call. That's very, very important, folks. That is very, very important to understand. And you might get frustrated. You might get black-pilled. But you need to understand something. The communist Chinese 
the Russians and their allies south of our border who are sending human wave assaults across the border are at war with us right now. They are at war with the United States right now. And you need to be making those preparations for that. When that, when the next phase, we're in the gray zone war right now, and we're going to be talking about what that is tonight. That's where we are. It hasn't went kinetic yet. And they are not going to move those pieces on the chessboard until everything is lined up and they're ready to rock and roll. They're not quite there yet. They're not quite there yet. Anyhow, with that said, my first compatriot in here tonight, uh, the uh, my frequent guest here uh, in the guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina, my partner in thought crime, the man, the myth, the legend, the author of the best-selling tactical wisdom series, Mr. Joe Dolio. What's up, bro? Hey, on that note, I'm going to need you to talk to the woman who lives here about that training schedule. <laughs> she's training. She, training schedule. What are you talking about? She, she's like, uh, she's like, you're spending more time this summer with Matt than me. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, come on. There's fun stuff there at the training center. Anyway. There's, there's a, a top shelf selection of bourbon, of scotch, of... Uh, rum, of course, like I'm sipping tonight. Um, everything you could ever want. We got it all, man. I know, I know. And, and we had Jim last week. That was pretty amazing. That was kind of, a, kind of a good surprise. Old Hong Kong, international yeah. man of mystery. But, uh, you know, a, a story that came up that you would be interested in uh, since this afternoon are two more Chinese sailors charged with spying for the Chinese, another one on an amphib. Now, you and I talked about this, and, and everyone says, oh, but they charged this white guy with the, with the Bonhomme Richard fire. No, 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 no. They charged that guy, and he was found not guilty because the Chinese guy set the fire. Right. And, uh, and NCIS believes it was the Chinese guy, not this other dude. So I find it pretty interesting that we just arrested two more, another one on an amphib. You know what? China's fighting this war against us. We're over here worrying about diversity quotas, and this is going to go badly for us. So glad to be here. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later on. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that one up because that, that was one of the stories that I was gonna um, that I was gonna hit up that and this uh, disturbing report. Uh, it's very disturbing to me that a Chinese linked company was running an unlicensed California biolab that yeah. at least 20 potentially infectious diseases. Um, we're going to be, you're going to be talking about this one quite a bit. This is real, real concerning to me. Um, and I think an indicator of, of things to come, but, um, you know, a lot of time. Can you, can you imagine what the Chinese would do if they found an American biolab somewhere around Shenzhen, uh, there'd be yeah. missiles in the air already, you know? Well, they'd send a balloon over for sure. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> at very at the very least, right? Well, I'm going to save that comment. I'm going to save that comment as we work our way down the list here. Johnny Paratrooper, what's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Uh, 
Well, you know me, man, uh, doing a million things at once, but I am currently pulling up some West Africa statistics for when we get to that. Maybe a few other tabs for the fire. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 following the itinerary, buddy. I got you covered over here. For the record, yeah. Benin used to be known as Dahomey Empire, and I find that hilarious. Dahomey. Dahomey Empire. <laughs> well, hey man, you know, you know the the. It's really poetic too that Djibouti is also like where some of this is kicking off. I mean, the Chinese we love talking about Djibouti. <laughs> They're all up in that, buddy. And, and, you know, we're there and we're like, hey, man, like, you know, you buy our technology and kind of do things our way. But, you know, it's like, don't you want to be like us? And they look at us and then they look over our shoulder and they see a bunch of idiots with their hair dyed purple. And then they look at the Russians and the Chinese and they're like, nah, man, you can miss me with that gay ass bullshit. And then they go sign deals with the Chinese and Iran and Russia because they don't want that, man. You know, they're they they want they want strong men, good looking men. It's it's kind of hard to make the sale when you ain't got the ain't got the better product. And, and you know, speaking of Djibouti, uh, our bases are kind of nuts to butt there, right? So I, I couldn't resist, could not. Uh, oh man, that's three for three. Can we squeeze one more out? Oh, no. oh four and oh man, this is it's time like this that I need a sound effect bar where I have the prices right fail music. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, we're twelve. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, I uh, no. somebody asked me how old I was earlier, and I was like, I'm 18 twice, buddy. I'm 18 twice. <laughs> Literally. like. No, if you want to throw yeah, them for a loop, officially... tell them in months how old you are. I'm like, I'm 946 oh, wow. months. <laughs> I'm on my, my 85th trimester. Yeah, like... <laughs> Oh, man. Well, since we're talking about Africa, I think Africa is a really good starting point. Um, it is hot right now. Yes. It, it, Africa is, is uh, hot and heavy. A um, lot, of, lot of problems. A uh, lot of problems getting ready to erupt there. So essentially breaking down the situation, uh, because a lot of people don't, we don't really understand the dynamic at work between uh, North Africa and Central Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, right? It's kind of uh, split the split the continent into to three broad, very broad regions. Um, we we don't really understand, at least in the United States, because we haven't. We, the media doesn't really talk about these things. They don't break this this kind of thing down. Uh, but to kind of give you a timeline of events here in Niger, Niger, which is a uh, hideously impoverished nation, um, they, they're kind of sandwiched between uh, southern Algeria, uh, which Algeria has had longstanding ties with the uh, Russian Federation, as well as China, um, and Nigeria, to this to uh, Niger South, 
which has had fairly decent ties with the United States. Uh, this was also the the uh, birthplace of Boko Haram a little over a decade ago, or well, uh, yeah, a little. It's eleven years, I think. 2012 is when they, they popped up, if I remember right. I don't have any notes for this in front of me. This is, this is completely off the cuff, as usual. Um, <clears throat> but when they popped onto the scene, when when uh, they, they came about, there was a uh, brief civil war that is still simmering. Uh, it was it was had its hot phase, but it's still simmering. And uh, in Niger, just uh, it may have been earlier this year. It may have been earlier this year or it was late last year. But they discovered a, a huge deposit of uranium. Well, that's really important for all the reasons you can think of. And this, of course, is after uh, Hillary Clinton sold a large chunk of our uranium to the Russians. In case anybody forgot, that happened. Okay, that happened. And that was also, uh, that deal was brokered in Nevada uh, by the great uh, longtime senator from the state of Nevada, Harry Reid. And that was much of what uh, the Maller Wildlife Refuge standoff actually was centered around. Of course, you didn't hear that story officially because that was never broken. A lot of that was covered up, but that, that was accurate. Uh, according to my sources, which are pretty damn reliable about that whole incident. Uh, so anyway, fast forward to the present. So I, I had to throw that in there to kind of give you a context. You know, we're, we're out here crying about Russia, Russia, Russia. And yet the Democrats, the leader, uh, heir apparent of the Democrat managerial state at that time was selling uranium to the Russians. That happened. It was a thing, okay? It was a thing. So anyway, uranium gets found in Niger, and we installed a puppet government there that was bowing to American interests in a election that was widely viewed by the people there as being fraudulent. Hmm, wonder where we've heard this one before. And all of a sudden, Russia stands up and takes notice. Wagner Group has a strong presence in these countries, including Algeria. They have a pretty strong presence there. Uh, it seems like Wagner keeps showing up wherever there has been American interference. Uh, almost like there's a move, counter move uh, action that, that's going on here. All right. Uh, Wagner showed up and, and Wagner, of course, has their, their, uh, penal battalion, their, their prisoners, they got out that, that are getting the best combat training on earth in Ukraine, but they also have their Russian special operators that have been working for them. They're handpicked guys, much in the same vein as Blackwater circa, uh, late 2003, 2004 with Paul Bremer detail, right? Very, very similar, right? Very similar. So fast forwarding this story a bit, I'm setting the stage here for exactly uh, what what occurred, what went down. They find uranium. There's a government that is installed in an election that looks a little suspect on its face. People are starting to get heated about it. And there's popular support for a military coup that's backed by the Russians and by proxy, the Chinese. Well. 
you know, fast forward a little bit more. Strongly worded letters from Anthony Blinken and this administration, right? The the managerial state that's saying, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Because everywhere that something like this has happened, we've unleashed a color revolution. Look at your friends to the north. Look at Libya. You don't want to become Libya, do you? Oh, you don't want to become them, right? And the only one of those nations that were able to survive that, the so-called Arab Spring, was Syria. And why was it Syria? Because the Russians stepped in. They stepped in with their ally. A nation which we still have a presence in, by the way. We still have a presence in Syria, and it is an unlawful one. The Syrians have asked us to leave. They haven't quite done anything about it yet. And I feel bad for those poor souls who are stuck there when they decide to. Uh, because it doesn't matter how how cool you are, how good of a trigger puller you are, when you're working in a country like that unsupported and everyone wants you to leave, eh, it doesn't end well, right? You're going to end up a lot like Sean Bean and Bravo 20 <clears throat> if you're lucky. If you're lucky, right? Don't be a guest in another man's country and wipe shit on his floor. It's not a good idea, right? Just friendly piece of advice. So... Now you have two alliances that have formed. You have a West African alliance that is uh, centered kind of on the Lagos government of Nigeria. That is, they're the big power broker there. Um, Of course, United States and French back saying that, hey, this is not going to stand. And then you have the Russian backed and Algerian backed governments saying, nah, we're going to get rid of you. We're going to get rid of your influence completely out of here and this is a conflict that is brewing um this is a this is one that you might think well west africa we we don't really pay much attention to this it's not that big of a deal uh let them fight over those resources gonna be the same business as usual well this might be a little bit different because it's not really the uranium that concerns me it's the oil exports that are coming out of nigeria if nigeria flips that actually is going to be a very big deal. And 2023, United States, with Joe Biden refusing, refusing to refill the strategic petroleum reserve, and with America finding itself with very few friends in the world who are oil producers, most notably uh, the recent snubbing that we got from the Saudi Arabians, we're in a hell of a lot of trouble. And if the government of Lagos, Nigeria falls in this next uprising that looks like it's brewing, you're going to see gas prices begin to rise and in a serious way. Uh, So with that said, a a little bit of that breakdown kind of setting the stage. Gentlemen, where do you see this stuff going? Well, gas prices are already up 30 cents over last month. Uh, I'd see... The way things are going, I'd see over five bucks by September or by the end of September. Uh, Johnny. So this is where a lot of American slaves were brought all over, not just North America, but the Caribbean, Central America, South America. I don't see any option even for us to try to say, maybe get Brazil a front door in there or Mexico and then kind of play the long game, get, get them some friends that are kind of our friends and, and back away. This is, uh, and the reason being is 
we, there's a deep, dark history there that the Marxists have been needling and never letting heal for most of the 20th century. And I just simply don't think that we're going to be able to, I just don't think we're going to be allowed at the table. Um, and then of Spot course, fucking on, dude. And Spot then, on. and then of man, course, yes, it, the, the, not to cut you off brother, but no, the, no, 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 you're good, man. You, I got plenty you, more. You, I got plenty that, more. That long-term view right there. I, I would say that what you just brought up is, is something of greater substance than anything I've heard you know, official statements I've heard coming out of the state department about this. Be, be, just because you recognize the long-term cultural issues there. I learned from the best at Fort Bragg, my friend. <laughs> the, um, That's Fort Liberty to you, sir. The uh, what? <laughs> I refuse to use Marxist language. Listen, uh, I, I'm, not gonna I'm not going to have you miss. I'm not going to have you dead naming a base, bro. <laughs> oh, man. It's a fort, sir. We occupy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah man just awful but anyway uh okay so the next one would be the next one would be population okay let's let's just start there there's a lot of people in this part of the world a lot and i remember from school meeting guys from this part of the world now even despite all the leftist programming that i saw I could write, honestly, in a field report, at college, they liked us. They did. They did. I, a lot of those guys were talking back to the teachers. So, long game. Oh, yeah. you know, those, those guys are 18, 19, 20. We got to play the long game. It's all we got. Um, so, the spark, the fire of liberty is there. I saw those guys. But then, you know, religion would come into play. And this is another thing, you know, after 20 years of GWAT and, and making promises that, you know, we had crossed fingers behind our back. Because yep. if, if you know how to play the game in the Middle East, it, you know, when they, when they tell you there's a, tr there's a ceasefire, you're going to get shot at in 10 days. Ask me how I know. It, you know, it, it yep. and it's going to be exactly 10 days later, maybe 11 if homeboy slept on guard duty and didn't fire the ammo he was given. But the first thing in the morning, sun up, he's going to empty that belt and then get slapped around with a stick because he fell asleep on day 10. But anyway, it's coming day 10, right? We kind of know that. So the, I would keep an eye on promises that are going to be starting to be made about how there's not going to be conflict and what day is it right now the th the third okay so this this really popped off i'm thinking mid-august is probably going to be r super spicy i think there's going to be a lot of back and forth so we uh something i i put a note on that actually i remembered to check my notes uh, I'm looking at my notebook. Um, Joe Dolio, you said you were making fun of Homeboy's gloves. Why would he be wearing those gloves in that video? So we're going to start. Oh, I know. It's because he's like, a moron. Well, yes. So, but are they you are talking also, about the general? 
that was sitting there. Captain, yeah, the, the good captain who overthrew the government. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. you're going to start seeing them with uniforms on, and and Africa has a long history of using the their mass communication systems, television, radio, uh, as the the signal, the state state television and radio. I saw I was listening to France 24 English live, and I don't recall hearing anything about how the TV is actually cut there, um, and and that their comms are going dark there. Perhaps the report was that in some places it's happening. Um, but they do use that to broadcast out to their own people. So if, if, they're, if they're pulling the plug on just that, I don't think they would be destroying the facilities, which I think we would see video of and stuff already. But um, yeah, I think in about 10 days, you'll start seeing video where these guys are changing uniforms and stuff. I think that's going to be part of the signal. And since you only have so many options when you order stuff off wish.com for this little thing game that they, I think they will be playing kind of like the frogs in the pockets for Turkey and other um, things we've seen. What, what were some of the other ones? Uh, you saw J six, the guys with the orange beanies, but Lord, you can't find a picture of those guys. Almost like they were digital markers in the crowd or something. Um, but I do remember seeing the guys with the orange beanies at J6. The uh, Yeah. Yeah, type into Google, though. You can't find a picture with a guy wearing an orange beanie. Um, or at least I can on my, my, the, the, what I'm using to search. Uh, you know, maybe your computer thinks differently than mine um, when, you're, when you're using an algorithm. But, or the, a search engine. Uh, I, I think we're going to start seeing that. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot of mixed messaging in the next 10 days. And then I think it'll get really violent and out of control, like quick and in a hurry. P possibly flights getting cut the day before um, because this area also has a history of kind of hijacking stuff and being like, this is my airport and we're changing the name on it or something. And, you know, that, that follows with the model of of the way that, that China has been uh, fairly ruthlessly occupying national infrastructure in southern Africa, uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Ghana is one of the best examples of this, or I would I should say one of the, the most tragic. Um, Ghana realized too late that they were uh, being given loans and grants by the uh, Chinese government at exorbitant interest rates, they'd never be able to pay off. And China literally uh, grabbed up their entire national infrastructure, their rail system and their airport systems. Um, they just took them and said, the, you know, that that's fine. You don't have to pay your loans back, but these are ours now and we have exclusive control over them. Uh, and their state of the art 5G systems. Yep. Yep. It, and, and it's, um, it's really tragic. Uh, it's, it's really tragic how they did that. Um, and, and very quickly, you know, neocolonialism, this is something that, uh, whenever I would bring these points up at, uh, a, a certain point in my life where I was, uh, involved in academia, whenever I would bring these points up around my colleagues, I'd get laughed at. Oh, neocolonialism, that's one of those right-wing phrases. That's no, that, that's nothing. Um, no, no, no. We need to be focused on the colonialism that happened 
circa uh, 1650 to 1850. That's what we need to talk about. Um, well, you know, yeah, don't talk can, about how the Chinese developed cameras that can see a, 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 the facial facial features of uh, uh, people with black skin complexion better and identify you better or, from farther away. Were, right. They, they, they were bioengineering embryos to be AIDS resistant. Why would they be doing that? Why would they be doing that? Because it, it's it's a phase of population replacement. It is when they, they know that X number of a targeted population is going to die of a disease that, that its mortality rate is is high. They, they're going to uh, they, they are anticipating those numbers being gone and they can backfill a replacement that is genetically resistant to that disease. That's what they're doing. They're, they're doing they have a hundred year plan like they, this is not something that that is just uh, happening. Right. This isn't just happenstance. The Chinese are doing all these things. They're running these programs. This this is very real. And the guy that, by the way, the guy that broke that story that they were doing that, he was bragging on it because he was one of their researchers. He disappeared. You never heard of him again. He's gone. Right. He he broke the story. And then everybody in the West goes, oh, what? And he disappears. You never hear from that guy again. He's gone. You know, so it, it's there. There's a plan that's coming to fruition here, and what it's looking like to me, you know, not that that I'm an expert on, you know, all things military. This is just how I'd do it: is that they're using the combat experience troops to train on a, a foreign internal defense mission, first, uh, you know, based in Algeria as a foothold going forward to reduce the United States influence in that targeted region. That's what they're doing. Um, I, I mean, I bet my hat on it that that is what they're doing. And that is the, the we, and we're already seeing that. And, and you can't tell me that in 2023, based on all of our foreign policy failures, that we have any gas in the tank to do anything about it. We, we're, we have everything to lose. We have nothing to gain. And look at us here at home. We're weak. We're weak. And this Biden administration is deeply corrupt. The whole D.C. power structure is deeply corrupted to the degree that they're not going to do anything about it. And they they are now irrelevant. They are irrelevant on the world stage. And this is this is how they are showing us this. Right. This is how they're demonstrating it. It's a show of force. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, no spot on, brother. Go ahead. Showing of force. There are a lot of airports in West Africa. Just saying, guys. I'm just saying. You know, maybe take one if we have to. Maybe, maybe show that we're not total bitches. Maybe. Maybe the world needs to see a Grenada or Panama type of a type of a vigor. I just don't see it. I don't. Know. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I see us trying to trying to force this through with this echo loss. I mean. Let's just be honest. Who's afraid of the Beninan infantry or yeah. the Burkina Faso mech, right? No one. Um, we'll try to Ukraine this. In. It's, it, it is going to be less competent than Ukraine. And, and I mean that because we have no force projection capability. We have no, uh, at least with Ukraine, 
coming out of Europe, there was a an established supply line already there. We don't have that foothold in Africom. We don't we don't have it. We 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 literally couldn't even respond to Benghazi. Now, you know, I get it. There were reasons for that. I know what they are. Don't you know, we, we don't need to go there. But Benghazi should have been a relatively easy mission, right, to secure that place, to spin up some asset out of the Mediterranean. That should have been pretty, pretty straightforward. We weren't able to even do that. And look, the rest of the world, by the way, the rest of the world got a real long memory. So even even the people in these targeted areas that all the saber rattlings happening, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of fight. There'll be some fighting. But it's it's going to end real quick because they've seen how we've treated our other proxies across the world. We've got a long history of abandoning our allies, the the Montagnards, the Kurds. We abandoned the Kurds twice. We abandoned them twice. You know, they, they, do you think that they're really going to come to our aid again as a as a partner in a targeted region no well no absolutely not they did ask uh, for so, an air force the second yeah. time and we kind of were like an air force really yeah but i mean that's kind of a tall order you know hey th yeah. those air force security well, forces guys are going to hold down that base oh i couldn't even say it was Maybe, maybe if they all went to British schools of whatever the fuck he went to school for. What did, what did he go to school the, for? The London School of Economics for international relations. Oh. They, what they need oh. is Patrick Fox. That will that will save them. I see you know, a movie deal in there somewhere. The Fox so you know, Returns. Like, bro, that, that's one of those things that even though like it sounds all cool and everything think about their success rate like okay you went to the london fucking school of whatever the fuck right stiff upper lipness what have the british won in the past hundred years they they literally gave their empire away uh, I, like maybe like the world cup is about the only thing they've won the falklands i'll give it to them but they almost lost that like, look, man, Brits are cool and everything. I, I'm, you know, like to a person, man, they're they're cool. I mean, you know, this coming from from an Irish kid, you know, uh, <laughs> Brit, Brits are all right, man. I liked working with them. I have a SAS story in Baghdad. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, not I don't have one from Baghdad. I got uh, some stories from the Paris when I worked with them. They're cool, man. They're cool people. But here's the they deal. Are. Bro, they got they got fucking Pakistanis and Indians rioting in the streets, murdering one another, like in in like gangs of New York style. That shit that we don't even have in the United States, man. We don't even have that in the United States. Like, they, Britain is over as a country, as a culture. They're over with. Like it, it's over. There's a lot of reasons for that, but it's over. Like that. That's they're on borrowed time, man. They can they can say whatever they want, but the, the birth rates. If you look at the birth rates, dude, it's it it's over. Like the country is it's over. A, Germany it's a tailspin. Is too far behind them. It is. 
it is a demographic tailspin. And, and I mean, you can say what you want about the demographics or whatever, but, um, you know, oh, well, this, that, or the other. But you've got a whole whole uh, subset of the populace that refuses to acclimate and literally exists in the political sphere to spite the established order of things. I mean, I know that th- there's there's some, some conservative uh, dudes that are coming out of Britain that, that are certainly not uh, ethnically Briton, right, or Anglo-Saxon. I get that. Like, Raheem Kassam, I get it, man. Dude's doing a lot of really good work. I really enjoy his work. There's there's some, you know, super, super base dudes out there. But, but, by and large, when you, you break it down, that's a different story. So, getting back to the point, though, I, I don't want to go too deep I think into that hole. England potentially could be the first nation in a long time where you see a public mass conversion to Islam of significant portions of a city neighborhoods like i i think that could happen i think that could happen not soon but i i think that could happen i believe we may have dead air no i'm here i'm here can't hear me Yes, I can hear you, sir. Yes, Starlink, Starlink dropped out on me a little bit. Just a tidbit, just a tidbit. But uh, no, I'm back. Um. Anyway, no, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too deep. But uh, <clears throat> no, what what I will say is though is that the the British school of whatever, bro, w- w- show me the success rate. Like, show me the success rate. If you if you're not successful and you're not you're not winning anything, I don't want to hear from the quarterback who was zero and fifteen on how to be a quarterback. Like I, I'm sorry, and dude, I, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter if you played in the NFL, you didn't win any games. I don't care. I don't want to hear. Like I, I don't I don't care what your opinion is. I want to hear from a winner. So, you know, that's, that's that. Well, and, and people that bank on, on their academic experience alone, right? I really don't give a shit about them people neither. That's, that's just really, um, you the content of what you're putting out should speak for itself. But uh, yeah, anyway, 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 we've been talking about Africa. Um, you know, AFRICOM is getting ready to, uh, pop smoke. I think they they see the writing on the wall. They're going to be moving to Europe. Uh, so Africom will be relocating to Europe. Uh, at least the last thing that I saw on that. And uh, we, we're going to see how this is going to work out. Um, but let's shift gears a little bit. We've got some uh, some more guests making their way in here into the virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the Air with 54 minutes on the clock. There's another story, though, that is is far more alarming. Two of them, in fact. Uh, Africom is what it is. We have waning influence there. It's we're you know it it, it that's we're beating a dead horse at that point. Um, this is something that I think is more prescient to the American people, and I think is a, a more important image here of just how dire the situation is here at home. And this is 
uh, a Chinese-linked company was found running an unlicensed California biolab that contained at least 20 potentially infectious diseases, including coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, and herpes. Yeah, the gift that keeps on giving herpes. The warehouse was discovered by local and federal agents in Fresno County. The illegal and unlicensed laboratory was full of lab mice, medical waste, and hazardous materials. Federal agents interviewed a man named Zequin Yao, who was running a company at the warehouse called Prestige Biotech. Prestige worldwide, wide, wide. Uh, Yao served as president of the company. Um, this this looks like a shake and bake meth lab going on here based on the images. Uh, company was registered in Nevada. Imagine that the land that Harry Reid, uh, the land in which Harry Reid is king, uh, or at least his handlers are king. The, the, whoever it was that beat the hell out of him right before he retired from the Senate and uh, put his eye out and whatever else they did. It was probably probably these guys. Uh, whoever owns this. But uh, the owners used empty offices or addresses in China that could not be verified. Imagine that. According to court documents filled in the case, Prestige Biotech was not licensed in California, and yet they're in Fresno. Uh, hundreds of mice at the warehouse were kept in inhumane conditions, court documents said. That's what we really need to be worried about, is inhumane conditions for rats when they've got... Uh, weaponized herpes that they could be unleashing uh, on Victorville, California out there. Uh, one town, one set of teeth, whole town. Uh, anyway, after taking over the warehouse and possession of the animals, the city euthanized 773 of them. More than 175 were found dead. Who cares? They're lab rats. I mean, I get it. Arms of an angel and all that crap. But, um, you know, they're lab rats. They, they're Rats don't live long anyway. Uh, Chinese linked biolabs have been in the center of controversy in recent years. You don't say. The U.S. Department of Energy and the FBI have officially announced that they believe the deadly COVID 19 pandemic most likely originated from a lab leak in Wuhan, China. Ah, so yet yeah, all, all roads lead back to the, the Wuhan. Lab leak, of course, what we were saying the whole time. I had several episodes that were pulled down for misinformation over on YouTube.com and uh, leading me to just not upload anything new over there for a while. And uh, now, lo and behold, we're proven right over and over and over again. But here they are doing this at home. Right, here they are doing this at home. Why they'd be studying these things um, is is really uh, alarming to me. Uh, and, you know, they have no better of a test bed in this growing gray zone war than uh, with the United States than a little biological warfare to throw out there because it worked so well the last time. All right, worked so well the last time. Guys, what are your thoughts on this? Um, reactions, where you think this is going to go? Well, I do note that one of the diseases they found there was malaria. Lo and behold, we're having an outbreak of malaria in uh, Florida. So I find that interesting. Florida and Texas. 
almost like they're in a line along that border. That's weird, weird, right? That's really wild. Wow. You conspiracy no, theorists. This, this looks what I this this looks what I figure a, a Chinese bio lab um, would look like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yes. I, I so I will say the the quick eradication of the lab rats only almost sounds like somebody knew something and they were trying to hide it. That, that's, that's exactly right. They decided to kill uh, them all right away, right? Yeah, aren't there diseases? Just get rid of it because they're probably, after they're euthanized, they're probably incinerated. So there's no, like, there's nothing to look back on to, to look at stuff. Um, you can't pull any data from anything because there's nothing left. So I think that definitely throws up, for me personally, that throws up a, a flag that huh, maybe somebody, at least in the city, knew about this and was getting paid off and the wrong person looked into stuff and found out, so they had to hide it really quick. Oh, good. They found human blood samples, too. That, of course. That's, what else are you going to... That's lovely. I mean, that's what you, yeah. They're doing real-world, on-the-street experiments. Well, what do you think oh, those absolutely. Chinese police stations are for, right? Gathering I mean, it's, it's blood samples. It's Fresno. There's no shortage of, of, uh, of uh, homeless to, to test on. It's which is really weird that there's been this rapid increase within the last five to ten years of homeless in in California and the West Coast. Uh, man, that's crazy! And a whole bunch of Chinese intervention and all sorts of crazy shit going on with them in the West Coast. There's no way those are linked at all. Nah, no way. But that's just my uneducated opinion. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, you know, most of these people who are homeless out west, you know, they're hooked on fentanyl, which, you know, couldn't possibly be brought across the border by China, you know, given all those military age males that are crossing the border right now. So there's definitely no way they're, they're having, make, they're making sure there's, there's enough supply for these homeless for them to use as test. It's, it's definitely not happening. This just goes to show how good China is at playing a long game. Like they're they're fully content to sit and wait things out. Like they've probably been working on this since the nineties. Hundred year marathon. Um, it's a yeah, hundred marathon. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> they're 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 in it for the long game, and we're we're obviously not. Um, at least not right now. I think part of it was we were just sucking up to them so much economically. Oh, you know, trade this, trade that, whatever. And they're just like, oh, this is great, great relationship. Meanwhile, they're like. We're laying the groundwork here. I, like, I don't know. We're, we're gonna have some dude. We're gonna have some dude who immigrates here legally, and buy a house, and he's a member of the society, and it's cool. And then now we've established these safe houses where, if you're looking, oh, this guy's owned this shit since '99. Like, no, it's no, nah, it can't be him. It's the same owner. You know, this guy immigrated illegally, whatever. Now you have a bunch of safe houses that don't look like safe houses because they were bought 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and that's the long game. Before DHS, too. True. Yeah. We put them in the military. Yeah, we'll yep. put, them, put them in uniform. Chinese nationals. Well, you know, oh, they're going to be linguists or whatever. Okay, I mean, yeah, there's, there's value in that, but that's not really, um, you know, and, and here we are. We've got examples of this biting us in the ass. A uh, story that you broke, Mr. Dolio, earlier today. Uh, what's that? Which one? I'm sorry. I missed it. The two sailors. 
getting rolled up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, they're obviously targeting the Marine Corps assets, right? This guy, this one guy was on a FIB, uh, the USS Essex. The other guy was on a ground station, uh, Ventura County Naval Base, uh, which there's lots of interesting things around Ventura County. So, um, they're really all about infiltrating things. If, if you notice that, they're trying to infiltrate the amphibious part of the Navy, right? The, uh, the, the Gator Navy, because they want, that's who they know they're going to fight. And that's who they want to gather the most info on. Um, if you read the indictment, uh, the info they were targeting is direct. We're, we, we finna fight in three months type stuff, right? How the amphibians operate, what their air defense capability is. Um, it's not just general stuff. It's stuff targeting reinforcements on the way to Taiwan is what it felt like to me in reading that. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I was taking a sip of my rum. That was why I was, I was taking a tactical pause. Uh, but yeah, a hundred percent, you know, and, and you brought up a, a strong point earlier about the Bonhomme Richard as well. Uh, Bonhomme Richard, the, the new one that had to be scuttled, was forced to be scuttled and burn up uh, while it was being birthed uh, and, and uh, uh, still under construction. But, um, you know, they, they literally sabotaged our several billion dollar force projection effort. Like everything that we had uh, for force projection in the Pacific is, uh, you know, not aircraft carrier based, but for Marine Corps amphibious operations was hinged around the Bonhomme Richard and that new class. Yeah. It was a command ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't call it a uh, aircraft carrier, even though it was, it was the size of, um, Huge, huge correct, gun. but uh, you know, they, they ended up having to scuttle that thing. And Interestingly, the Essex is its replacement, uh, as the commander of that amphibious squadron. And um, you know, I got a lot of pushback over on Twitter today because I was like, oh, no, 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 they charged a white guy with that. Yeah, the white guy was found not guilty because he didn't do it. The Chinese guy that they were looking at, whose name they've never released, is the one who did it, right. Right, which, you know, me kind of thinking the way I do, what if, what if, and I might be giving them too much, I might be giving uh, security apparatus too much credit in this, but what if, what if he gave up the names and that led to these two guys getting popped? You know, maybe. It's a slim, very slim chance. Related to but, a politician. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. It's not like uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who has to be told which way to vote uh, here lately on camera, uh, the geritocracy herself. Uh, between her and Mitch McConnell, I don't know which one is worse. But uh, her driver for a very, very long time was a Chinese spy. She was the ranking member of the defense, the Senate Defense Committee, by the way. Uh, so she gave all the uh, the approval for all these things. Boy, oh boy, that's a gold mine of information right there. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, mm, mm. 
And of course, this is this is not even diving into Lindsey Graham. Um, oh God! Uh, that guy, boy, oh boy! What you think? You think his love for little boys would get him compromised? Silly. Yeah. Well, I know. I know his his uh, you no know, his reputation precedes him. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, we will just leave it at that. But uh, anyway, got a couple of new guests in here. One, it is his very first time we are popping that cherry in here on the Virtual Green Dragon Tavern. Mr. Alpha Charlie Concepts, the man, the myth, the legend behind UW Gear, the man that has sold a million chess rigs and he made them all. What's up, brother? Well, technically, it's my second time. I just didn't have my mic working right the first time. Were you on here before? Yeah, one time. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he just didn't say anything because he was a little intimidated by us, but which is a, it was understandable. Uh, it was about a year Joe, ago. Look, 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 was it? look, Joe, I didn't bring my big shovel or my hip waders with me, okay? Oh, he's going to swing <laughs> back okay. today. I like it. Right, we got uh. jokes, jokes, and jokes, and jokes. Oh, man. No, it's a it's the second time. It was a couple of weeks ago, but my, my mic wasn't working right, so I was kind of hard to hear and in and out. And oh, spent okay. half the show trying to get it fixed. Hell, I don't remember. Blame it on the traumatic brain injuries. Anyway, wanted to give a shout out because you are in here. That's okay. You are not. I appreciate it anyway. Of course, of course. But um, anyway, talking about China's gray zone war, right? It's unfolding with the United States. It's serious stuff. All right, this is the, this is something that we we take very lightly, painting a bigger picture here. All right, so diving deeper into this one and why South America, Central America is is so damned important, because it, it is by no accident that you have all of the people flooding the border right now to the degree that they are, and they are predominantly military age males. Okay, I know, I know the media is always just there with the cameras rolling whenever there's small children and women, but predominantly these are military age males that are coming across the board. Well, with that said, why are they coming across? Okay, they're coming from Nicaragua, they're coming from Honduras, they're coming from El Salvador, they're coming from Colombia now, Venezuela, Cuba, Haiti. China, Russia, Iran is not painting a good picture. Let me tell you, let me tell you, just break this down a little uh, geopolitical analysis going on here. The Chinese have built a Beidou guidance system. They did this a few years ago. It is fully operational now. They built this in uh, Argentina, southern Argentina, for their Beidou guidance system which is their counterpart to GPS. So why is that important? Because you don't divert assets like that to a place where you don't intend to exert some sort of influence. Right? Beidou is critically important for Chinese next generation weapon systems using Beidou guidance alone. 
right? So they don't have to use GPS, which could be intercepted and shut off. GLONASS, which they're friends with the China or they're friends with uh, Russia right now. They may not be in the future, right? There, there are some divisions there, uh, historical divisions between. They've them. shot at each other right. many times. They have, they have, and and they probably will be again. However. Together, they've exerted a concerted effort to build hegemony everywhere south of the Rio Grande, right? You've got a president in Mexico that is very friendly to Russian and Chinese interests. You have the drug cartels that are being funded and armed wholesale by the Chinese and are serving as protectorates of the corridor for human trafficking coming north. Right. You have Daniel Ortega, who is the longtime leader of the Sandinistas that is president of Nicaragua once more. And he is overseeing the Nicaraguan Canal Exclusive Zone, which is seeking to build a new canal that is a replacement for the Panama Canal, which is rapidly aging out and becoming more expensive to operate than it's worth. All right. So building a new one. The Chinese have full hegemony there. Honduras, full hegemony. El Salvador, they're at least friendly with President Naib. Right. Naib, that did not mispronounce that name. He is Iranian by birth. Ooh, did you know that? Oh, yeah, he ties right in with Iranian. the uh, security minister of Venezuela, right? Tariq. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You've got Venezuela in lockstep with both the Chinese and the Russians. The Russians permanently based a blackjack bomber squadron there. Well, why is that important? Why is that important? Why is that bomber squadron so important in Caracas, Venezuela? Because it can be nuclear armed, because it likely is nuclear armed. And it is just a few hours flight south of the United States, continental United States. Right? Colombia, we gave up our last ally in South America when we allowed Gustavo Petro to be elected, a former M-19 communist guerrilla who immediately normalized relations with both China and Russia. And he cut off oil exports to the United States and nationalized what was left of the Colombian oil industry. He also, also immediately began trials of the military generals as war criminals in the world's longest civil war in the modern era. He also normalized relations with Venezuela. If you don't think that's a huge deal... You need to wake up. I also want to point out Brazil. the uh, the the Not fallacy right. that the media wants to bring up about the Peruvian uh, conflict going on right now. They keep saying that 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 uh, Dina, the woman, is trying to push out a far right character. It's actually left and farther left. What it is is she's a Maoist and she's trying to push out the Marxists. Yep, she's a, a proxy of Shining Path from back in the day. And and Shining Path was one of the more vicious of the South American guerrillas. I've known a few Peruvians. Good old Sendero uh, Luminoso. Yep. Cool. Peruvians are cool people, man. Really cool people. And and I like working with them. 
the the times that I did. They were Peruvians that were living here in the United States. Real, real cool people. Um, but their stories about Shining Path, there was always a look of fear in their eyes. You know, and, and that wasn't like anything that I had uh, I'd seen. I mean, when people would talk about the Taliban in Afghanistan, they didn't have a fear like that. Like just just mentioning it, it's like, nah, man, they, those guys, there's something wrong with them. Uh, Shining Path was every bit the the Khmer Rouge, but in the in Peru, they they were the Peruvian. That's actually a really good comparison. Really good comparison. Yeah. Some of the stories I heard, man, was was just like, holy. That's the, those are the guys that would That's clear out entire mountains of families, right? Yeah, yeah, the Khmer Rouge. I mean, if you if you think about the the Khmer Rouge, if it if you're so no, bad that the Peru, Vietnamese yeah. were like, oh, if the Vietnamese were like, dang, bro, we're gonna have to stop you. <laughs> you have yeah. to be pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's it, they they were vicious, man. And Shining Path was was every bit their their equal. They they looked at Pol Pot as uh, a hero, like that that was the model. Um, but you know, Peru's getting ready to kick off. Chile has a leftist in charge again, yet again. Um, you know, and Brazil that, that brings us to Brazil. We had a staunch ally in charge in Brazil. We turned our back on him. The Biden administration turned their back on him. Who did they allow to get elected? Lula, right? They turned their back on our ally, and we we uh we get. Lula elected. What did Lula immediately do? Normalized relations with both China and Russia, and he welcomed an Iranian warship. The day that he met with Biden, by the way, you think that that was an accident? Do you think that that was an accident? Well, think about how long that Iranian ship, which is not the state of the art, had to have been in transit to get to uh, to yeah. get to Rio, right? Yeah. And, Not a- and the the largest presence of Iranian Republican Guard and Hezbollah, right? Hezbollah is the export version of that. The largest presence of them are in the tri-border region, right? Where Venezuela, Brazil, and Colombia all kind of come together, right? They call it the tri-border region. That's where they are. That's where they are. And it's also where the triads are. So there's an interesting coalition there. Yep. This is all this is all painting a very, very dark picture for us, folks. Because these people intend to do us harm. And if you don't think that that they're at least training some people to come across the border, you got another thing coming. All right, you got another thing coming. So let's talk about Cuba. Let's talk about Cuba. Let's talk about the Lourdes Signals Intelligence Station, which was just in the news, by the way. Just in the news. Made its rounds. Oh, man. Wow. This, uh, there's the war. Wow. They they they, they oh, reopened a spy station, and the Cold War is going to kick back off, and this is fucking crazy, right? That, that was what the news said. Well, I wrote about this in 2018, did the overlays of it, told you exactly what was going to happen there, and here's why this is so damned important. They have an airfield. They have an airfield that is running north south. This thing you can you can look the article up. You can look this up on Google Earth. By the way, look up Jose Marti International Airport. 
11 uh, November 18th, 2018 at 6 a.m. I'm looking at the article right fucking now. You can you can zoom in on Jose Marti International Airport. Scroll just a little bit to the left. It's a couple miles away. You'll find the University of Science and Information. Right. That's what it's called. That's what the Lord A Signals Intelligence Station is called. You will see an airfield that is running north-south. It's kind of a narrow airfield, but it is big enough for one heavy lift aircraft to land on and then turn around, can taxi down it, turn around, take right back off. Going south. Well, what's to the south of Cuba? Caracas, Venezuela. What's just to the north of this runway? Like literally there's a road that drives drives right into this thing. Well, you got the big satellite dish on the left, right? You get the big SIGINT station that is really kind of obsolete. It still has a couple of purposes, but it, it's mostly obsolete. It's what's to the north of it that's so important. They got a lot of barracks facilities. You could house a couple of brigades up there with what they've been building. And these are old photos, by the way. These, these are from 2018. Uh, I think the, the most recent date on it, last time I checked, was 2021. So you're talking about two years' time where they could have built it up even more. What's crazy is, is the media freak out about it. Ironically, though, yeah. ironically, though uh, Russia was just supposed to let the same similar buildup happen on its border with no complaints. And yet we're going to freak out about a Chinese buildup on ours. The, the hypocrisy is hilarious. Well, gets better. So under the Trump administration, we allowed the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty to expire. Right. What that means, in essence, this was signed during the Cold War to prevent small, low-yield nuclear weapons from being put into cruise missiles, land-based cruise missiles, for uh, limited low-yield nuclear attacks. All right, so weapons like the Davy Crockett, for example, we weren't going to be using those anymore. Um, so intermediate nuclear forces, this, this was a safeguard. It was limiting our nuclear arsenals to ICBMs, um, and, and that, of course, was being regulated under START-1. And uh, the Strategic Treaty on Arms Reduction, or START. Well, this expired. And one of the goals of the uh, Trump administration and the National Security Directives under Mike Pompeo specifically was to rope China in on the new INF Treaty so that there wouldn't be a new proliferation of these weapons on the battlefield so we can control them. Well, the, t the clock ran out. And, of course, this was going to be one of the objectives of the second uh, Trump administration, which never came to be. So there is no protection of that. Now, we haven't been developing those weapons. We know for a fact that the Russians have. For a fact. Absolute fact. Not a question. They've been developing low-yield, low small warhead nuclear weapons that they can fit specifically in the Iskander-Ms. We know that they can do it. We know that they've built it, and we know that they've tested it. Now, let's talk about Cuba. The next Cuban Missile Crisis is going to occur. I said exactly two years ago that when, when um, uh, Ukraine kicked off, 
that I did not know why Russia had not rolled these weapons out in Cuba yet. Now, I was jumping the gun a little bit. I still would bet my life on the fact that those weapons are there. If they are not there, they are definitely in Caracas, Venezuela. I guarantee that they are. Guarantee that they are. What are they going to do with them in Cuba? That Lorde's Signals Intelligence Station, right? The, the much vaunted spy station, right? They're not spying on anything. What is this going to be? It's going to be a rapidly armed missile base because just to the north of this entire apparatus that I explained, they have a lily pad. Well, what the hell is a lily pad? It is a reinforced concrete pad structure that looks like a honeycomb, right? What you do with this is you roll your vehicles out on it for a multiple launch, uh, multiple rocket launch array. So you have your, your trucks that go out there and they, they raise their, their weapon systems up and they, they launch their rockets, right, in layman's terms. But you have to array them specifically out there so that they're, they're not firing on one another, but you have the maximum number of weapons that are able to be fielded. That's exactly what they're doing. That is exactly what they're doing. And they can fly them right in on an Antonov heavy lift aircraft or uh, heavy lift aircraft, almost an aircraft carrier, uh, not an aircraft carrier. They don't need one. They fly it right in from Venezuela and they are inside of our reactionary gap. By the time they are armed and they are launching, there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. And that is in conjunction with the weapons that they may already have on our soil in the form of humans, in the form of saboteurs who are targeting our critical infrastructure. We know now for a fact there is no way that we can say that they're not. And they have bioweapons labs? Okay, so maybe they're not a formal bioweapons lab in, in the nefarious sense. They're doing something with it. We already established that. Why all the secrecy? They're definitely not making makeup in there, right? So what would they be doing? Guys, uh, what's your reactions to all this? Scout, I believe, man, I can't remember if this is from a movie or not, but wasn't there a study released that for a mere $200,000, which in today's money would probably be more like 4000 it was released by the FBI that you could develop a, um extra deadly flu and, uh, and, and release it. Uh, I'm going to look that up, but yeah, it's cheap, oh, no. man. You don't need, you don't need a big expensive operation to make a deadly disease. If I recall correctly. I mean, by the looks of some of those, the pictures from that Chinese bio lab, they didn't have much expensive in there either. I mean, that, that place was. Yeah. Not even uh, the walls were expensive. That was that was a wish.com bio lab. Was what that <laughs> it was. wasn't exactly a level four <laughs> containment facility, right? No. no well, no. when you're not actually I mean, concerned with containment. When you're you know, right. You're not super well, upset if things do get out into the local population. Testing on penguins and shit, man. They don't care. <laughs> penguins and the homeless. Yeah, penguins and the homeless man. It's just like uh, what what was Homeward Bound two? Was a Homeward Bound actually the one where they were rolling around with the van and picking the dogs up? Well, like, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I always talk about how Tom Clancy was a prophet, right? Um, what was that book? Rainbow Six about the eco-terrorists. That's literally what they did. They drove around, picked up the homeless, told them they were taking them to a shelter, and they were literally tr- testing their pandemic yeah, drug right. on the homeless because nobody will miss them. Right. I had forgot about that. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, Tom Clancy was a prophet. Dude, I, yeah, I forgot all about that, man. I forgot all about that. Guys, what's your takes? Well, Scout, couldn't you add into that something else that you pointed out uh, a couple of years ago still, I think, that all of the AKs that are being manufactured in Venezuela and other areas of South America, yep. given our very, very low physical inspection rate, of containers coming into the country. I mean, it would just be absolutely nuts to think that we've got people coming in across the border and then getting armed and equipped after they got here with whatever. I mean, that, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Right. Crazy. No, I was going to say, Hawkeye, to your point, I mean, Right, they got guys in early in the port, right? Those guys in the port back in late nineties, early two thousands, rise up the ranks. How hard is it for them to all of a sudden, all right, here's the plan, man. At some point, you're gonna have a shipping container come in and you're gonna know which one it is. We're gonna give you a sign. Your sole mission is to make sure this goes to this place. Then they build the AK one oh three factory. Y'all know this is literally the plot container. of Mongol Moon by Mark Sibley, right? I, yeah, that that's what I mean. that that book is prophetic and so right there that's exactly the scenario that you're describing hawkeye it's exactly what sibley did it's it and how hard is that we already know they're playing the long game so if they're thinking this far ahead when we're not even we're not even on this like it's like checkers chess thing i hate to use that analogy but it's like they were so far ahead of us and like yeah we're friends it's great shake hands lovely photo ops cool they're laying this groundwork down that is a hundred percent what could have possibly, you know, one of the scenarios that could be happening right now. Well, I mean, I've got a good friend who's a border patrol agent in, in Arizona, and he's told me before that if if he could ever publicly tell me what all they've seen down there, that they've been straight up told you don't talk about this, that it people would lose their minds if they knew what was really and truly happening on the border away from the areas to get all the media attention. You know, it, it's like Sibley said, he goes, if I thought this up sitting in a coffee shop before work, uh, I can guarantee you somebody in Beijing has this in a file drawer. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, man, unrestricted warfare, a good unrestricted warfare. 1997. I read excerpts of that in soldier of fortune magazine. You know, And, and the thing is, is that, uh, Colonel Brown, Robert K. Brown was the only guy back then in the media to, with the balls to run with that, you know. And and I remember back That's then awesome. he he put up the uh, pictures of Al Gore getting the money from the the quote unquote uh, Buddhist society, right? Which they had already uncovered. The guys that that were the bagmen were Chinese spies, and they're giving money hand over fist to the Democrat Party. Al Gore is there sitting there taking the money. 
you know, and Johnny, something that, to your credit, you've been pointing out for years is the role of the Confucius Society in academia. Well, that was the proto-Confucius Society right there, man. Which one was? I missed that. I'm reading this bioweapons research paper. The, the, um, I forgot what they called it because, I again, I'm, I'm speaking completely off the cuff here, but I remember it vividly. Uh, short-term memory is fried from too many TBIs, but I got long-term memory like you wouldn't believe. But <laughs> you wouldn't even believe it. It's really great. Let me tell you something. It's really great. But uh, <laughs> oh, but, uh, the, anyway, the precursor you, you to the about Confucius societies, man. The precursor to the Confucius Society, I believe, was the. It came from the 1980s um, uh, outreach program from I think yeah. Reagan, where you extending a hand. It, they had the two people shaking hands and. It, I, w I think it was like friendship outreach. It was something really cheesy. You're, well, they, that's I why mean, I can't they were, remember. They were rehashing the, the what the Soviets did. It was the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Friendship it, society. It looked like the kind of thing you would see posted on the border between uh, the USSR and one of their satellite states. Like it, the it looked like one of their little ugly ass statues, um, but like printed. I have another flag uh, like that that I found at the humanities department. I, I, off way off subject. I recently found it moving. Um, I'll show it to you one day. I know you're a flag bro, but um, yeah, the, or I'll, I'll post it on Twitter or something. Um, so yeah, the Confucius societies, man, those things they are dug in deep. They also um, we also have another problem. Uh, we have the Confucius societies, but shutting them down doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, kicked out. Although it is a bit of an insult because that's kind of China's flagship. But China's not going to get pissed off about that because we have these science program uh, like studies. You'll read the um, you, you might be reading about like superconductors and stuff lately. Um, so Basically, every science program at every school is full of foreigners because of all these different treaties and outreach programs we have. And so anything that is developed using American research grants is simply just copied and pasted and sent back to their home country. And we're not really getting a return on that investment because they come here, they take our uh slot for training so you know there's only so many slots for like a doctor or a lawyer for the for the higher paying jobs right and you know what would have been like americans competing with a a's a minuses b pluses right for money and slots in these programs is now a global competition and if you don't have an a plus and aren't greasing the wheels you're not getting in right uh and that not that that's a hundred percent true. There are people that have done it on their own merit. We know a lot of them, but it's, it's kind of getting out of control at this point. Like it's totally fucking out of control. And, um, it, it, to the point where like, we might have to do something emergency wise, which to Trump to his credit, tried to kick out the Chinese students and the fucking governor of Maryland was like, no, you're not allowed to do that during COVID. Um, which I think we should have like kind of backhanded slapped them on the way out the door for what they fucking did. But Hey, you know, thanks Hogan. Um, you know, maybe you won't be president dickhead. So anyway, um, uh, 
those yeah those those science programs are the actual primary problem the the, the confucius society is in the humanities building on campus is what i'm trying to say the real money is in the science center yeah yeah i can i can personally attest to that too uh i, I can back that up 100 percent yeah, I've I'm seen, not. I'm not giving you a false field report, guys. Like I, I'm telling no, you, 100%. no, I've this seen from the head. Like, I've seen this personally. So yeah, guys, what's your thoughts? Well, I think that that we saw at the beginning of uh, COVID a lot of Confucius Institute people arrested uh, for spying for China and. Uh, gathering up biological samples. Now we know they might not have been getting shipped back to back to China. They might have been on our way to California to a unregistered lab. Um, what's interesting is that this thing has left the media so fast. Um, it, it's like the police station thing. Oh, we shut down the one in New York City. Yeah, but what about the twenty-seven other ones spread out throughout the country? No one is. No one mentioned that, and and no one's no one's really that interested in what was in this bio lab and why. The why is the most important thing. So crazy. Hey, you well, think they went to school magnetic. in America? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, magnetic man, you you hit the nail on the head. They they euthanized rats quickly because they were infected with something. You know, they they had something. It, yeah, they're it, testing it, probably inhumane. A, can it, come on, man. Yeah, testing a, a combination of probably a couple different things. Um, just trying to find uh, strains <coughs> of some of these different things that they were studying. Let me see if I can pull up that that article again, um, where they were studying like malaria and HIV. Um, and so, like the process to like weaponize something like that is actually kind of like in depth. It's one thing to just kind of like drop a vial on accident, but to make a virus weaponized, it, there's there's a lot that kind of goes into making that to where it doesn't infect too many people too quickly. So you have um, kind of like what happened with the Ebola crisis where it was so deadly that it was killing people off before it could spread. And it was so aggressive that everyone was like, whoa, holy shit, we can know exactly what that is because the symptoms were so fast to onset versus with COVID definitely spread a lot faster, but it wasn't as deadly. So it was kind of like the other end of that spectrum compared to like how Ebola spread across the U.S., how you only had like a few cases. Um, they're trying to find like when you're trying to spread something like a disease, when you're trying to, to weaponize a virus, um, you're trying to find a sweet spot between that to where you're infecting. Like if anybody's ever played the, the, the oh God, what is that? The cell phone game that they had um, where you basically like could create your own virus to try to kill plague, a bunch of the plague the world is yeah plague inc um or something to that effect and you you got to see like firsthand like okay like it's a little bit more to create like this virus that that spreads at, at a fast enough rate to where it goes across enough of the population but doesn't kill them so quickly that we notice it and can safeguard against it so trying to trying to split that balance is a really delicate thing and there's nerds at at fort meade um that that study the shit to a to a the nth degree um and they can really talk on that a lot a lot better but it's it's definitely concerning to see this this list of malaria rubella hiv chlamydia e coli streptococcus pneumonia uh hepatitis and herpes that's those are some pretty serious um 
some serious things and we don't know what they were pulling from those or what the they were trying one is probably the scariest one to me yes yeah. out of that yeah. list the pneumonia one is um because you're talking about something that is um that is now spread through you know you coughing or sneezing on people and we already mm-hmm. saw the the social ramifications of yeah. these uh spread like yeah. that there is a walk this would be way worse too. The, yeah, um, especially if they take the 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 how pneumonia works um, and how it spreads through streptococcus or streptococcus, um, which is bacterial, and then do that viral. So you have something like Legionnaires or walking pneumonia, um, which is a whole lot more dangerous because the thing about viral versus bacterial pneumonia is bacterial pneumonia will only affect one lung. Uh, viral pneumonia affects both at the same time, and that's a pretty serious compromise. And and also, I feel, I feel like viral pneumonia is also the trade-off between having like a high enough R naught, but also having enough of an effect where even if it doesn't kill, it's going to cause a lot of hospitalizations and overwhelming of the system. You know what I mean? I mean that's the big thing about yes. Ebola is that you know it's the fucking to me it's the scariest disease that exists right now, but it's so hard to spread it. But yeah. if you have something that is like. Eh, in the middle of like the effect you're gonna have, but it spreads really fucking easily. That just cripples. Yeah, yeah. Especially with so look at like how many people have left the medical field in the last three years um, for pick your reason. Um, so it, 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 we already saw it stressed from from COVID. Imagine how much more stress it's gonna get from a, a viral pneumonia, weaponized viral pneumonia. I would I would actually. Uh, Man, I've had walking pneumonia. I, I couldn't even move, dude. I, they almost had to carry me. That shit fucking sucks. Yeah, dude. I w- and I was like 24 years old, paratrooper. I thought I bruised some ribs or something. Two hours <laughs> later, dude, two hours later, I could not fucking move. I was yeah. absolutely crippled, dude. They got me to Womack and put me on a drip antibiotic. 20 minutes later, I felt like I could do a backflip. But the, um, I mean, I felt fine 20 minutes later, but dude, I could not breathe. I thought I broke some ribs and I mean, I thought I was seriously messed up and I was, they took a chest x-ray and they were like, damn dude. Uh, my, I had fallen out of the run in the morning and my chain of command was really putting me through it. And I went through, um, I went to chow and then went back to my room, laid down. I could not do a sit up. I could not do a sit up. And my platoon sergeant called me. He's like, "Where's where the fuck are you?" And I was like, "Sorry, I'm going to the hospital. There, there is something seriously wrong with me." And um, yeah, four hours later, I was discharged from Womack. I was seriously fucked up. They said I probably had it for about three or four weeks, and 25 percent of my lungs were totally useless, and the toxins from the bacteria had leached through my lungs to my intercostal muscles. And it completely mm-hmm. seized them up and was causing like a, a, like a number nine on the pain scale. I mean, I was, I was down for the count, guys. Down for the count. Now imagine that widespread across a fighting It course. knocked down the entire country. I could not move. I couldn't have picked somebody up, dude. I, I could not get to the door. I had to have some dudes come to my barracks room and help me do a sit-up. And then 
I could, I mean, I was getting like delirious and a fever was, it, it went from like, I think I pulled a muscle to, I think I broke my ribs to, I need to go to the hospital. I can't even do a. Yeah. Like, people, people freak out about the wrong part of the, the Seaburn acronym. The, I'm, I'm not concerned with bioweapons scare the ever loving shit out of me. Like that is like my worst fear. Cause is, you can't bio see weapons. It. And it's 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 well, hard to trace where it comes from, as we're seeing yeah. with well, I mean, with COVID, it was a little bit easier because it 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 didn't kill off important people that know how to like investigate things. But if someone yeah. does it right, like it's very hard to trace where these things. If you're trying to like intentionally knock out a population, it's hard to track. I would say, like, did they only find viral pneumonia? No, it was streptococcus, streptococcus, which is bacterial. Yeah, that's yeah, hundred percent. That's the one I'd be fucking with. That one, yeah. you could grow it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You could give it to an animal and get it across the border. If they're looking for people caught, well, they check animals. But, yeah, you could give it to anything, man. That, yeah. That's not. I actually uh, yeah. ended up... Um, talking to my father about that experience obviously because they were like uh mr brooks and mrs brooks your son is in the hospital with 102.7 temperature and you know like <laughs> I, like yeah they were like this is pretty serious <laughs> and then my so my dad was like elated right because i like just gotten back from iraq and i had all my fingers and toes which was pretty cool and um th- so my dad was in like hyper vigilance mode right and um he 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 uh he said you know when you were 6 or 7 years old you had the same thing in like the first grade and and i was like you're kidding and he's like yeah and i was like the doctors had asked me if i'd had it before so if you're on the fence about whether or not you should have antibiotics i'm telling you if it wasn't for whatever they gave me johnny paratrooper would not be here today i was fucked up I've had pneumonia three times, man. It's it. it, That's just because I know like what it does, man. Dude, and that's no shit neither. Like you just you just lay there. Like I was getting a little freaked out. That I ever had. I was getting a little freaked out because, like, when I was in high school, uh, one of the girls that in with friends with my sister, she died, and then uh, I went to a festival once. And this girl was snorting stuff off the bathroom stall or something, but she got a crazy lung infection and died. And then, Uh, um, I mean, this shit happens. It'll uh, kill you, man. It'll kill you. Like, you know, do not play games with a lung infection. Man, what kind of women you hanging out with, dude? Uh, (laughs) Festival slut. I mean, I wasn't going to say. I mean, damn. Damn, I'll just say it. I'll throw it out. She she was dating my buddy. She wasn't dating me, man. I don't think festivals. Yeah, she was. She was dating anybody. (laughs) No, man. I swear to God. I swear to God. She was dating anybody, everybody. There was no dating involved. There was just fucking anybody that could supply that habit. Yep. (sighs) She was a snorting uh, off a bathroom counter. She was the resident snow bunny. It killed her too, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, I, if you did, if you missed that the first time, um, yeah, I, dude, I was a little freaked out um, when I 
was in the hospital with that. I mean, it, it went from like, ouch to this hurts to, oh my God, this, this doctor is not smiling and his bedside manner is speed. <laughs> like, it, I mean, they had, they were sticking me. They knew exactly what I was talking about. I don't know if it was MERS that came back or what. I, was that um viral? Or was that yeah uh, yeah Mers was viral. Okay, yeah, I had okay. it. I had yeah. it. it that what was, was that one like? Oh god damn, dude! It was that was death. That that's Wor what that was. worse than COVID or not? No, oh, dude. But light years worth. COVID wasn't shit. Okay, went, let me tell you my COVID story. Let me tell you my COVID story. So, um, I had COVID twice, and the second time I had it, dude. I've had hangovers worse than that. Like that, that was, it, it seemed like a hangover. First time I had it though. First time I had, um, uh, uh, COVID. I was about to say MERS. Uh, first time I, I only had MERS one. I only needed that once. That was it. Um, you, you never, ever want to get that again. COVID though. Um, so got COVID my, my left arm, was it was like I was having a real bad arthritis flare up, like bad. And um, then I was I, like, uh, the arthritis started, and and that was real bad because it was it was super painful. Then I was real tired, like I was real real tired. I was real sleepy, um, just like can't hold my eyes open. It was just weird. And then um, then I had the fever, and like after that, man. You know the the fever was what it was, dude. After that, I was fine. man. So when when I had it, the, yeah. when I had it the first time, it was double barreled. So I had it for a week, and then I started getting better, and then it flared back up again. And the first week was kind of the same thing you're saying. It was like, eh, it's whatever. It's uh, you know, I it was it was shit. I um, it wasn't pleasant. So I, you know, I love all the people who were like, oh, it's a fucking myth. No, it's not a fucking myth because I experienced it and it fucking sucked. But it was like, all right, I have a fever. Um, I'm sweating all the time. I'm congested. I got a headache. I'm a little sore. Start getting better over the weekend. Second week, bro, I would actually wake up in the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning, because I was, you know, still for four or five hours, damn near in tears how sore I was. It felt like I was in a 30 mile an hour head on car yep. crash. Yeah. Where I had, I had. An ice pack on my yep. upper back. I had a heating pad on my lower back. I had a fucking ice pack on my chest, and I lost taste. Like it was, it was rough. Yeah, it was rough for like four or five days, and then it wasn't until I got ivermectin that everything it fixed itself in twelve hours. But to your point, like it was like the second time I got it, it was like, oh yeah, I have it. I don't really feel anything, but whatever. Like I'm a little tired. That's that's fine. But that first time, that that really fucked me, man. Yeah, yeah. So with MERS, talking about MERS, um, dude, you know, COVID, COVID wasn't that bad. Like I know if like older people, people pre-existing conditions, whatever, um, you know, and it, it hit people differently for for different reasons, like physiological reasons and whatever. But uh, MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, holy shit, we and, and we just called it the Haji flu. Like that, that was his nickname because nobody knew exactly what it was when we got it, bro. I'm telling you that, that I have never, 
I have never been that sick ever, ever. And I pray I am never like that again. I, oh, I've been there, brother. Dude, I, I feel you. Let me tell you, let me tell you when it, when it started, when it, 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 it I started like, cause everybody, when you go to Iraq, everybody has that like two week acclimation period where like, you know, you're just shitting water. Like you, you, you're, you, you've got dysentery, like you, you're getting it. The cause Iraq call. is nasty. Yeah, You're yeah. Everybody up those gets big it, green loogies, dude. Those things, yeah. Were, those things were like choking yeah. on a hard candy and then coughing it up. Yeah, it yeah, bad, dude. Dude, everybody gets that, man. Everybody gets that. But, but this, this was, this was a different animal, man. Like that, everybody gets that. Well, all of a sudden, like it, it's going into the late fall, getting into the winter, and uh, and it was just one morning I woke up. I was like, man, I don't feel real good. Like, you know, like I'm going to go puke, you know? And I thought maybe it was like our, our our water for our showers on patrol base was getting piped out of the Tigris. And I thought maybe like in, in the shower, like you couldn't, you couldn't get the water, you know, on, you could get it on you, but you didn't want to like ingest any of it because it's from the Tigris. I thought maybe like I was sick from that. I just puke one time and I'd be good. Well, um, you know, and we lost him, right? You know, H1N1. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, <laughs> but I did have H1N1 and it was awful. I lost like four days of my R and R back from Iraq to H one N when I got it on at Baghdad International Airport. Oof. That's the whole story. That doesn't even sound fair. It was brutal, dude. I had a um hundred and one to hundred and two temp for about four days and I sat in the basement and sweated out. I mean, it was pretty miserable. I Combined with the, um, like, just the decompression and, and the jet lag and stuff, it, I was not having a good R&R for the first four days. But it, it turned out pretty good in the end. And, um, oh, well, yeah, except for the the other thing. But syphilis? The, um, I was just about to say syphilis. No, the, uh, <laughs> actually, I, was I was thinking it too. I was about to hit on mute. You know, I... I was going to say my mother had cancer, but there's different types of cancer. And it's not fair to say that to some people, but my mother had a pretty serious cancer, like Johns Hopkins tier, like you need the best. Um, and I found that out from the red cross message. My commander sat me down and he's like, he's like specialist Brooks. Um, you know, there's a red cross message for you before, before you get to, before you get home. And, uh, I appreciated them not telling me that's for sure. Cause it definitely would have made, definitely would have made patrolling harder. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, my mother was definitely not at the airport to, um, pick me up, but she ended up making it through, which is, that's good, man. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, Mechmedic, I, um, some, this has come up recently again, actually, unfortunately. And, um, Mechmedic in his class, it's an excellent class. I know we're getting towards the end of the show here. And he's got a new one. He's got a new one about setting up a clinic and basically running a nurse's doctor's clinic the proper way. And uh, in in the in an austere environment, I believe is the focus. And but his his first class, and he mentions this many many times. Basically, every time somebody gets injured in an austere environment, you need to be thinking about end of life. You know, that's because med- medic is naturally it, cheerful. It you know it's a hard subject, but that little lung infection I had. Uh, Scout has brought this up many times. Some of the best communist leaders in the world made their bones saving the lives of children. Providing social services, yep. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's been a a recurring theme throughout this first aid book as I'm writing is that, hey, listen, there's a point of diminishing returns in an austere environment, right? Do you create two casualties trying to rescue one guy from the water? Uh, and are you going to be able to treat this person's advanced mental illness with what you have on hand? Probably not. So it, it's good to be thinking. Yeah, and as, I mean, yeah. as gorillas, I mean, we have to be thinking about that, right? It's not just, you know, for every one person you have in the field in active operations, you have nine people behind the scenes. And and if, if, if you know, the argument of the gorilla forces is that the government is – you know, illegitimate or or not providing for the people, then you have to step in into that void and do that. It's one of the things actually Antifa has done quite well with the way they've done in the city, their coat drives and this drive and that drive and raising money and getting food. It's one of the reasons why some of the people in the leftist cities have tolerated their antics for so long because they have stepped into that role and done social services. And it's something that I think the right really glosses over and doesn't touch on. And so they like we can't fathom. Well, why are they tolerating this in certain areas? Well, maybe it's because they're doing all this stuff because to them, you know, it's for the people, it's for the proles, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a topic that the right doesn't talk about often enough. Talking about an austere environment, this is something that I'm fortunate enough in my little inner circle of friends to have an actual uh, high level medical professional with lots of good stuff put away and lots of capability. But even he's pointed out that if it's bad enough, we're having to do what we got to do that while right now, normal times grid up the whole nine yards, having plenty of pressure bandages and tourniquets are great things. But when it gets to that point and goes bad, those are going to be relatively useless because you take something that requires one of those, unless you've got a way to get to a facility that has things like vascular surgeons and orthopedic surgeons and things like that, there ain't a whole lot you can do for that. So it's like, (laughs) you, you might as well just leave the, leave the tourniquet behind. The only thing that might do is, prolong your life long enough to get you back to tell your family yeah, or, or get, get 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 you to a high level of care if that existed in your group yeah 
Right. I, I think the but, idea of, of rehabilitation from the GWAT standard is definitely something we should not look at and look more towards <laughs> like a World War One, <clears throat> because I think it's the most applicable um, just with like levels of, of warfare machines and level of medical capabilities because they didn't have antibiotics back then. Um, so you saw a lot of, of amputations and a lot See, of that's, really that's, like, that's, well, that's what I, I mean, wrote into, this, good enough into the and, first aid book yeah. is late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. So I put right at the beginning, if you're a doctor, a nurse, or a paramedic, you're not going to like this book. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Dolia. Yes. Um, for someone that's suffering from an advanced mental illness, I'm to assume. And I got cut off on the end, the very tail end of the episode, as I think a lot of you out there had heard. But anyway, I wanted to, to get this wrapped up, get the episode wrapped up, get it kicked out there. For all of you, a little bit of technical difficulties at the end. But hey, that is what it is, folks. Uh, God bless all of you out there. Thank you for being with us. Yet another Thursday edition of Sons of Liberty Live. Brushbeater.store, all of your communications needs, as well as tactical gear. And I've got a lot of other really cool things that are in the works that are going to be going up here real, real soon. As promised, by the end of the summer, it is going to be a one-stop shop for all of your preparedness and sustainment needs. With that said, thank you once again for being on the air with us. Last call for alcohol, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out.